ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Give Me All You Got Friday. Ah, at last, the NFL season kicked off last night. It was it was just beautiful to see real, authentic, regular season NFL football on the TV. It was a wonderful thing. We got a lot to get into. We'll talk Bills, Rams. We'll talk Saints. Now becoming a trendy Super Bowl pick. What? Where did that come from? We will, uh, and I'm sure Gus will have plenty to say about that. We will uh, get into Falcons Hate Week, uh, LSU Southern, UL and Eastern Michigan, and you will be honoring the 2011 team on Saturday night. Remember how that season ended? The walk-off Brett Bear field goal in the New Orleans Bowl. Brett Bear going to join me this morning at 8 o'clock to reminisce a little bit. We'll be giving away some Twin Peaks gift cards at some point during the show this morning, so just keep it locked in. It's a Give Me All You Got Friday, and joining me live from NOLA, on the hotline is the host of the Sports Hangover, Mr. Gus Kattengill, friend of the program, friend of mine. Gus, uh, your your show for years has been called the Sports Hangover. Uh, would you describe uh, last night's game as a Super Bowl hangover for the Rams or just a beatdown by the Bills? Well, first off, Scott, good morning. Secondly, I think Saints fans, at least around in this area, enjoyed the beating. I don't think anybody felt sorry for little Sean McVay, the greatest offensive mind football has ever known. Right. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, his work ethic, Gus. No, it's unbelievable. Again, clearly he did not put in enough passion in that game plan to get ready. I think two things really kind of stood out. you know, and one could be you never know. Look, obviously they made a point to say it in the broadcast. They didn't really play anybody in the preseason, that could have been an issue. I think the second thing that I saw, uh, you saw the speed level, right? And you can see there's a difference, Scott, between anything that we saw in preseason and what we saw in that field, especially that first half, first quarter. You saw, you know, the speed and how good those two teams are and, and the capability that the Rams can be still very good. You have Aaron Donald be able, you know, he gets a stack early in that quarter, and then you see how Stuart Cooper Cup can do. I would say the one thing I took out of that game more than anything else is, look, Stafford can still sling it. Cup's still good. You still have the genius of McVay. Allen, you know, there's a reason he's an MVP candidate. Accurate, moving, scrambling, chunking it. They got weapons. So both teams are going to be able to score and I think move the ball down the field. But you know the one thing that neither did have? Josh Allen was the leading rusher for the Bills, and this morning one of the you know storylines the lack of yards rushing by a Rams back. Neither of them have Alvin Kamara, <laughs> and you know he spoke this week, Scott, about how you know refreshed he looks. A reporter asked him, "Is he faster?" I've been telling you the guy has been 
not only an afterthought at training camp, but he looks amazing. And we saw in that one drive in preseason that we got to see him, how quick he looked through the line, through the hole. I mean, just looks different, right? Doesn't he, Scott? He looks better and faster than every back that the Saints have. And that's the thing to me that I've been you know, saying on your show and when you come on mine, that I think that is going to be a difference. The last two years, he's been injured, banged up, and has had to face things that, you know, he hadn't before. And it's not just the injury thing. That comes from being used so much, and that comes from just the constant, you know, boxes being stacked, Devin White just hanging out all day waiting for him. I mean, Alvin Kamara the last two years has gotten hit behind the line of scrimmage on screen passes more than he had in his career. And it's because there's nobody feared the receivers or – the quarterback and things of that nature. That's not going to happen, Scott. You saw it almost felt like flag football watching that game yesterday, right? The amount of passing, and again, Josh Allen being the leading rusher for Buffalo, but because you had so much space, when you can spread the football field and you have the, here's the key, threat of that vertical throw, which is what Josh Allen absolutely does, you cannot stay close to the line of scrimmage. And you saw that he was able to scramble and rush and gain yards because there's nobody there. Well, instead of Josh Allen doing it, Scott, imagine if that's Alvin Kamara. And, and I think listening to Pete Carmichael this week, you, you hear him say, it's like, look, I have you know, my philosophies and stuff like that. I'm not going to change them compared to Sean, but like, we have different personnel. Sean Payton, it's been years, right? I mean, maybe Sproles back in the day or something like that where you had a complement of receivers and a capable tight end. Again, I don't need the tight end to be, you know, Tony Gonzalez Hall of Famer, you know, Travis Kelsey. I, I need him to catch the ball. Can you catch the ball when we throw it to you to keep the defense honest? That, that's what I need. Same thing with the fullback. I don't need him to be the greatest fullback in the history of the NFL. I'm going to give you a carry. I'm going to sneak a, a pass to you. You know, back in the day, that's what Sean did. And that's what I took out of that game yesterday. Yeah, the, the Bills are worth every bit of the hype. You just said that. And, but looking at that, I'm like, that's what this offense can be. Now, Josh Allen's humming. They were playing well yesterday. And it's why I said, Scott, I think this year the Saints will make strides, win the division, show you what they can do. I think next year is what I said, another year with everybody together and playing a year under their belt with Jameis if he can go the entire season. Dude, you may be seeing them being contender because, again, they have the one thing that neither of those teams have. That is a super back, a guy that you can throw the football to, a guy that can run as well, but – I don't know. I maybe my my head is no, no. I, I, actually, no. I, I, we like, we mm. like to rib each other, but I'm I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, look, I have the Saints winning the division as well. I do think they're probably a year away if things go right this year. But on the flip side, sure. you know, the AFC is stacked. The NFC is oh. wide open. You know, and there yeah. are there are probably five AFC teams that on paper are just have a better roster than anyone in the NFC. And when you look at, yeah. at rosters in the NFC, the Saints have one of the stronger rosters overall. Um, and, and I, I you know, they look, there's still aspects of the team that I'm concerned about, and that's going to be true every year no matter what. But some years it's a few and some years it's a ton. And this year it's a few, and that's a good thing. I think, you know, you look at the Bills. 
I mean, they were the trendy pick. They were my pick to win the Super Bowl. Yes, I wasn't, you know, really unordinary in that. I mean, a lot of people did it. Mm-hmm. But last night, you know, you try not to overreact to one game. Uh, but the Bills, they, you know, I think when it comes to the Bills, you're not overreacting to one game. You're, you're using a uh, basically, you know, a catalog of the last couple of years. And then sure. you saw more of it last night. I mean, the Bills haven't punted for six consecutive regular season. Well, six consecutive games if you want to go back to the playoffs. Six straight games, not not preseason games, real games. They haven't punted because, wow. you know, and even though Allen turned it over, I mean, those throws were in tight spaces that the DBs were on the receivers, the receivers couldn't reel it in. Okay. I mean, he they, they, the turnovers didn't even matter last night because they were so dominant. The one, the one like, I guess, concern for the Bills is the double-edged sword of Josh Allen. You know, he, he's, I mean, he's a beast. He's that dude, but when he runs, it's not the guy that's tackling oh. him. It's not the guy that's tackling him. I mean, that stiff arm was was disrespectful in that thing. It's right. the guys coming, you know, if a guy slows you down or wraps you up, it's the other guys coming yeah, from behind. You know, that at some point you don't want to take that away, but when when you're as an OC calling quarterback runs when your team's up no, by three that. scores, that's, that's dumb, <laughs> right? That's the, so that's it's fireable. like, he's amazing. And yet it's terrifying. Yeah. And so that yeah. to me is really the one thing that could, you know, cause without Josh Allen, they're, they're, they're not a contender. I mean, he's that good uh, with them. They're, they're arguably that, you know, they are the team to beat in the NFL uh, and their schedule. Look, they've got a lot of big matchups against teams that a lot of people are expecting to be in the playoffs. So for years of being sort of in the NFL Siberia and being a forgotten about franchise since, you know, since the music city miracle up until just a couple of years ago, when they finally made the playoffs again, and Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback, you know, between 99 and, 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 and 2017, they were, they were one of those teams you didn't even think about. And now, you know, everybody's kind of following them. Everybody's watching them, and they've they've earned that. Uh, the Rams—they look sloppy. I think the, the you know you try not to overreact. If you're the Rams, your concern is is Matt Stafford's elbow. The release looked a little funny. It looked a little off, and their offensive line looked terrible. Um, but let's 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 get into let's get into Falcons hate week for a moment. Um, the Falcons, I think, are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFC. Their roster, they're 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 good at tight end. Um, they're good at cornerback. I'll give them that. They are. They're good at kicker. Uh, they're not very good anywhere else, Gus, in terms of personnel. Uh, the Saints are, you know, I think that the, the Falcons haven't beat a tight end in terms of personnel. If you want to, if you want to argue with me that a cornerback gets a wash, okay, I'll hear the argument. I may not agree with it, but if you try to tell me anywhere else that they're, they're considerably better, I, I I'm going to laugh at you. I mean, they're not. And yet, it's it, there's a familiarity. It's a rivalry. It's week one. Week one, weird things always happen. Um, what happens on Sunday at the at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta? Yeah, I think, Scott, it's kind of what you see yesterday uh, in that game, right? I mean, you saw the Rams have some success. And, and the guys that were billed were, you know, were good. And you saw some plays, and they had some opportunities. And I think you will see that. But, I mean... Look, Marcus Mariota, uh, Marietta is you know, like his first real start with those group of players and that team. So, I mean, I guess you can, you know, it's like the FSU-LSU game. Well, you know, they don't have film on them. It'll be advantage. Like, yeah, at the end of the day, 
you got to have guys that can make plays and, more importantly, you know, execute. So I, I do think it's a tall task in order for them because they are facing a team in New Orleans defensively, even though with two new safeties, that, you know, I've played well together and know the defense and understand and May and Matthew are, are veterans. You know, these aren't rookies that didn't understand what they're doing. And even that said, I mean, Paul Smith-Evil last year as a rookie, you couldn't keep him out. Only thing apparently going to keep him out of playing games is, just, you know, injury, man, this ankle injury they suffered at practice um, before the Chargers game, uh, which stinks. But you got Bradley Roby who led the secondary in interceptions in training camp. Gus, it's practice. I understand, but isn't that what you base some of your decisions on? Like I had six interceptions this year. Um, going into it, he just looks good. He looks more comfortable. He's a vet, and let's remember, that's a player Sean Payton traded for, thinking he would be his starting second cornerback. So if he's the guy that has to come in while Paulson's a Debo, you know, ankle gets better. Yeah, I'm good with that. The, the Falcons don't have – I don't know what Drake London's going to be like. He's limited. He has a knee injury. You know, if you're Atlanta, are, are you pushing him to play on Sunday, considering he's literally your only receiver – that you've invested in. He's a high first-round draft pick. He went before, you know, Chris Olave. So um, I think that could be an interesting notion. I just think at the end of the day, you probably see what you saw yesterday. Close game in that first quarter, a player to be made. And, and you know, Scott texted me, I told you. And then I'm going to text Scott around the third quarter, I told you, when they start opening up the game. Because at the end of the day, it goes with what we started this morning's conversation with. Bill's like... The Saints have weapons. The quarterbacks just gotta, you know. They just don't do have the quarterback. Job. I mean, no disrespect to right. Jameis, well, but he ain't, he ain't Josh Allen. See, I mean, come I, on. I was ready. I was ready for you this morning because what I was going to come back with, because you don't buy it for me, you have to see it to believe it. And in your eyes, it's the next five years. It can't be a good game or two because you'll come back the next week and say, well, well can he do it again, Gus? Can he do it against the good defense? Yes, all I said, all I said was Jameis Winston's not Josh Allen. I mean, come on, that's that's not that's not a hot I'm just saying I'm prepared for whatever Jameis does. You will come back with, but can he do it in space with Snoopy being the astronaut? And there's a comment coming. (laughs) I'm prepared for that. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Say, I'm, gl- I'm glad you're prepared. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad you're prepared I, for me to I'm, say that, that he ain't Josh I, Allen. That's all. I mean, it's I, not a, I'm prepared. I didn't say it was Josh Allen, but I said. I know. You just came at me for weapons, saying that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of weapons. To, you know, look, this is what you saw the podcast or at least the clips. I wa- no, I listened to the whole thing. I listened to the Trust June. Levels podcast with Mark yeah. Adam, Cam Jordan, um, and guest Jameis Winston. I think the thing that really stood out to me in that entire podcast, Scott, is the relationship he has on this team with some of the the voices. I mean, you would call Mark Ingram still a voice, right? Yeah, Um, him and Cam Jordan, two of the the locker room voices, no doubt. Yeah, so when you see the respect level, and, you know, obviously the first clip they released was, how is your Madden rating that low? Then... They talk about him eating the W. And then a, a more serious clip they released about him talking about maturing and how the focus is the Lombardi trophy, not anything else, and the highs and lows of being a first-round draft pick, winning a championship in college, and then 
you know, and he admitted it. It, 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 it had to sting. And you and I talked about this, you know, last year when Brady or the year before that had won it. It had to sting. It's like it stings seeing your teammates and your friends winning a Super Bowl. And you couldn't bring that to them. I love that, though. I love that, though. It's what my little kindergartner's learning, you know, and you know this from having a couple older kids. You know, failure is not a bad thing, Scott, because it makes you, as he said in that podcast, hungry. makes you appreciate what what it takes and you want it. And, and I want you to want it. And, you know, same thing I tell my little guy when, um, you know, they got a little treasure chest or something in school that you rewarded for good behavior. You get a certain number of stars every day. You get to pick stuff out of it. And he was down when he got his first smiley face. Um, and, and, and for, you know, all intents and purposes, he hasn't got one since. You know, we told him no dinner if he got one. But anyway, <laughs> he, um, but he earned it, and, and he was so happy and proud, dude, that he got like a little slinky or something out of the treasure chest for good behavior, good work week, and all that. But, you know, to a different level, I loved hearing that from Jameis Winston and seeing that because he's being honest. He's being real. It's not – um, and again, it's, it's, it's no disrespect to Sean or Drew or what they did. I think the Saints players absolutely respected him. They saw what he did. He absolutely thought about the team and the city and all that. I just see a different vibe, feel, and this team has for its quarterback. It, it's almost like he's one of them. And it's for them and they're for him. Like, man, you you walk around the locker room and, you know, just kind of mentioned before the, the quarter starts rolling and, you know, the photographers are turning their lights on and getting white balance and stuff. Like, they legitimately want him to succeed. Like, they're angry that people think this guy is a bum and, and all this stuff. And, you know, the fourth clip they released, here you go, Scott. He's diagramming stuff. You know, it's like... His favorite, it was his favorite play. He was diagramming his favorite play. Yeah. Well, here we go. See, I told you I'm ready for it. If I tell you he's diagramming and knows the offense, you're going to tell me it's one. No, I didn't mean that. No, 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 no. Stop it. I didn't mean it like that. I didn't mean it like that. I was just pointing it out. It was a cool moment. He was explaining why it was his favorite play. And and he, you know, he pointed out it depends on when, right. What, what, what's happening in the game, but he explained why he likes mm-hmm. it because of all the different options. And then he started putting in the different players and the formations of yes. what's available and the yes. key to play Scott. action and why Scott. play action is key. It was great. Did you get the goosebumps? No, Did no, but I thought it was bump. cool. I didn't get the free Oh, uh, you see? You see? Now, if that had been Drew Brees, it'd be like, look at him. He's great. No, if it would have been Drew Brees. It would have been like, man, he, he, he explained <laughs> it fine, but it, it needs to be more entertaining, you know, explaining it because <laughs> exactly. he went on TV and no, it but, was like, come on, Drew, you got you to gotta do better than that. Give me the something. Point is, the point is what you just said, though. It's like, what, what, what do you need your quarterback to do? And at this level, if you want him to be a guy that can take you where you want to go. You know, you can't have a guy that – you have to have skills. You have to have skills. The guy can throw the ball deep. Sure, you know, we go back and forth whether or not he's accurate and anything like that. I mean, look, I, those are things that that's maybe not a song street or, 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 you know, what he can do right now, whatever. But, man, can you, can you read the defense? You, you've heard me say that to you several times when I come on your show. I need Jameis Winston to read the defense, deliver it to the best one-on-one matchup, and let the guys do what they do. Like, that's what I need him to do because that's how I think this offense is, is that good. I legitimately do. Like, 
There, there isn't this, I need him to make plays. Yes, you're going to win a game under duress. Not everything's going to go right. You know, the, the, the pass that he threw to Landry um, in that preseason game when he got hit, when Petting got beat, yeah, that's making a play. But, again, that's what he's capable of doing. But what I'm saying is, for the most part, if that guy can just do what he did in that clip of just diagnosing, diagramming, but more importantly, understanding the concept and why that play can do five different things out of that formation with different personnel and how you plan on attacking it. Because what did make Drew Brees great and what does make Josh Allen currently great and all these quarterbacks that are, you know, MVP candidates, Aaron, all these guys, they beat you before the ball is snapped, Scott. And the NFL's too fast, man. And like I said, when we started this conversation, you saw the speed and how much faster that game was yesterday than anything you saw in preseason. I mean, it's a different level, man. The Bills, defense, like, you don't have time to sit back there and go, oh, I wonder if that guy is open or not. That just, that, that, that can't happen. And, under, and having a guy that, again, is that in tune with the offense, I think should relax some Saints fans of, oh, you know, Pete Carmichael, goes, he, you know, can he laminate a play sheet and know what to call? I mean, it, it, you have a quarterback that gets it. I think you're seeing that people have that respect and, and understanding that Pete also gets it. Dennis Allen this week, guy's very smart. You've heard several players go, no, he's got his own voice, man. He's, you know, he's got his own thing. And it's what I've been telling you based off of my eyes. At practice, more eye formations, more, you know, emphasis on the run. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning of our conversation. They don't, neither of those teams have an Alvin Kamara being able to run the football. You know, you beat a team that has an explosive quarterback in offense, sit them down on the bench, 10 play drives, nine minute, you know, drives, things of that nature. The Saints will be capable of doing that, I think, when it all gets to work. That line stays intact. But that's what's exciting to me. This week alone, you saw three, four different clips. Of why I think he is going to succeed. I mean, I, I legitimately think he's going to succeed. And, you know, what's the definition of success? It'll be dependent on different people, I guess. But, I, you know, I don't think you're going to see a 40 interception season, a guy that gets benched in week three. I mean, you should hear some of the stuff I get, you know, from people that cover the team. I'm in the preseason game in the press box, you know, and I won't mention names, but. I mean, there's three people to the left and right of me. They were convinced Andy Dalton's going to start the season. No. And I, I, I no. you know what I mean? No. And one of the phrases was, no. he is who he is. And I'm like, well, who is he? And he's a guy that's just reckless with the football and throws interceptions. I'm like, okay. So, you know, and again, and this is a guy that's been to practice. This guy's been to every practice. And I just, you know, I, I guess you just have a certain – um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I know, I know, I, 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 I figure, I, I know who said it. It's, it's, it is what it is. Uh, let's circle yeah. back to Alvin Kamara for a moment. Um, you mentioned him earlier. I thought what he said yesterday. By the way, ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. Gus Kattengill, our guest pronola segment. I thought what he said yesterday was, um, just you know, uh, complete honesty about uh, the difference in the offenses. And him saying last year he felt like he was on an island because he was the focal point of defenses. And why wouldn't he be? I mean, what else were you working with last year? They traded for Mark Ingram midseason because they didn't have anything behind Kamara at running back. And yeah. your one, two, and three wide receivers are four, five, and six on the depth chart this year. 
I mean, mm-hmm. that's 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 different. Uh, um, he just, you know, and and then when you had all the injuries and then, you know, COVID kind of hit the team as well. And then Deontay Hardy was suspended late in the season. Like, of course, Kamara is going to be the focal point here. And, you know, in some ways he may still be, but if he is, that's going to open the door for everyone else that's talented, like a Michael Thomas, who, by the way, you know, even though he's been limited in practice and they're saying a will see thing, I, I fully expect him to see him out on the field Sunday. Um, I, I would, I would highly, think, I would highly think that he's going. To play. Yes, I, I, I agree. will just tell you that. I, no, I, exactly. I, I think, I think they're playing, playing it kind of. Well, we'll see. Like I, I expect yeah, him out there. No, he, he yeah. is absolutely playing. Um, and and you know, I, I just think, I think Camara having him out in space, as you were talking about earlier in the segment, that's that's going to be a big, I think, focal point for Pete Carmichael and what he's going to try to do. Uh, with this offense. Eric McCoy signed a five-year extension. Well done. You needed him. We can all agree on that. I think when it came to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Eric McCoy, and Marcus Davenport, who's like like he normally does, has plenty of hype. We'll see if he can stay healthy. But I was asked a number of times in the offseason, between those three, if only one of them could get an extension, who would it be? I didn't hesitate every time to say Eric McCoy right away. I mean, He's one of the better centers in football. You got him in the second round, but he he has the talent of a first-rounder. He is reliable. He's consistent. You look at all the great seasons with the Saints in the 21st century, what did they all have in common? They all had a really strong offensive line. You can go back to, you know, even pre-21st century and, and look at the great Saints teams. And even the 2000 team, you know, great on the O-line, great. 2009, best O-line at football. 2010, 2000, best O-line at football. Um, they, they, I don't think they're going to have the best O-line at football this year. I think you and I would agree they're, that's one of the scary things, the depth there right now. It's, it's, it makes you a little nervous. But to lock up McCoy, I think he's earned it. I think it makes sense. And I don't, I don't know that it necessarily means Davenport will or won't be on the team beyond this season. I just know that in a vacuum – that was a guy that you had to extend, and I'm glad they got it done before the year. No, I mean, it makes sense, and especially, again, you just kind of look at the moves that the team has made since, right? I mean, you're looking at uh, them not um, moving Ruiz to center. And, you know, I mean, and, and so, you know, when, when you look at that, that is something that you, you, you think about. You know, they did move him to center, which is why they drafted him, supposedly. Um, so he, I guess, kept that spot last year. And then um, you heard the head coach this year say, look, that guy's done everything we wanted him to do, and he's shown what he can be and all of that. So, look, I, I think there's one thing that you brought up maybe even on Wednesday on our show that when the Saints have been successful, their offensive line has been key. They've been either pro bowlers, all pro, or getting new contracts. Well, this falls under at least getting a new contract, you know. Um, let's see how everybody else kind of steps up and does their part a little bit here. And obviously you're happy that at least the guy that started training camp and was probably penciled in for a second as your left tackle is at least healthy for Sunday, but you know, remember they they did draft in the first round a left tackle. So hopefully Trevor Penning's that guy that can do that. You saw some flashes. You saw what I think he can do. 
uh, especially in the run game. Um, so that eventually would be your guy, but that, that center part, that middle part of the offensive line is, is key. I think you're solid at right tackle. Ruiz is a guy that everyone has said this training camp has improved and gotten better. He himself says he's at the point where he's just going to play, not thinking as much. I think Pete has looked pretty good this training camp. He looks different. Um, and, again, I just go back to what I said earlier in the year when you were, you know, nervous. I said, look, I think Doug Marone is going to help. And you've heard his name a lot this week uh, about being able to really kind of help that offensive line and, and not just that, but philosophies and, and be that, that, that taskmaster, man. And he's, that's what he does, you know, and that's why I go back to that first practice. I remember talking to you about it, you know, like, who's that guy? Who's that guy who's going to again or, you know, just absolutely verbally tear down somebody for not having a good rep. That's him. And, um, and I think that's, that, that's going to help. I think that through the season, through the development of Penning, through the, still the development of Reese. I mean, these are young guys. These, this is a young line. And, you know, unlike I would say, Scott, which is remarkable when you consider the, the pounding and probably the physical toll that a body takes. But, you know, unlike, I guess, certain skill players, offensive linemen can play for a bit. So when you look at this offensive line, they're not very old. I mean, McCoy's not really that many years in. Ruiz early that many years in. Even Ramchek as well. I mean, I'd say Pete's the oldest, right? And then, you know, you have some of these other guys. So I'm interested to kind of see where this line goes because I agree with you. It, it, it is absolutely the focal point, man. If they can grow and turn into a good offensive line, the Saints are going to be really good. Yeah, if they it, can turn it takes into them from good to great. I, guys, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it takes I the mean, team from good to great the if the area that we have a question mark of gets answered, and the answer to the question is, wow. Because, you know, when it comes to covering UL, LSU, and the Saints, I, 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 I said, look, they, they, have, they all have something in common. They all have a, a first-year head coach, um, not not the coach's first. In the coach, in the case of Coach Michael Desimo, it's his first time being a head coach at the college level. But they all have new head coach, right? Um, some were from to- somewhere totally different, like Brian Kelly. Some were promoted from within, like Coach Desimo or like Dennis Allen. Um, but the other thing they all have in common is a question mark on the O line, and you know Trevor Penning's injury hurt. Good look. I, I can admit I was wrong. I thought he'd definitely be done for the year. He has a chance to come back in November, so they got good news on that. But from a depth standpoint, you know, it's just it's a concern because when you look at the rest of the roster, I think for the Saints, other than depth at linebacker, you know, they they're, they're they they appear to have some depth everywhere, uh, everywhere else, you know. And uh, with that, I, I'm kind of, look. I picked the Saints to win the division this year. I think they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. My Super Bowl pick was Bills Packers. Uh even though I uh, guess surprisingly didn't even have Green Bay winning their division. Uh but what is your uh, what is your Super Bowl prediction this year, Gus? And you have any bold predictions for the NFL as uh we are, you know, one game into it but plenty more football in front of us. I would say I have a lot of bold predictions in that I I could see well, I guess my bold prediction is we were talking about like MVPs and stuff. I think Allen makes sense. I think Herbert's going to be a guy that people will maybe start saying things about that. Again, kind of like the Bills, potentially. They made a ton of moves this offseason to solidify their defense, give him some weapons. They understand, Scott, as you've mentioned before, they, they got a hit 
with these um, you know, with this rookie contract. They they got to hit now before they pay him uh, a big time deal as well. So I think one of the things that you're going to see to me is how and who kind of steps up and lives up to you know whether it's hype or whatever it is. But I, I would say like Allen Herbert. And it was funny, we were kind of joking about who in the NFC you think would be an MVP candidate. And look, it's easy to say um, Rodgers, you know, Brady, and, and I don't. I, I just, I look at what Tampa has, and I speak to people all the time down there. Now, look, they can go out there and blow the doors off the Cowboys. But Brady just doesn't look right to me. And... You know, there's one thing I know in sports, you have to have health physically and mentally. And I don't know, you know, and I get he's the GOAT, and, you know, that guy can focus on the field. I get it. But if anything is remotely accurate or close to what people are suggesting, it has to do with his family and his marriage or his health. I've had some people suggest that, it's something, you know, he doesn't look right every time. I mean, a happy like wife, happy life, that. right, Gus? I mean, all well, the reports I mean, I that she's that she's left the, as they put it, the compound uh, or yeah. or the I reports mean, that she left a vacation in the Bahamas and flew to Coast. I mean, there's, you know, she didn't want him to play football. Who knows? Whatever the reason is, but the guy's going through some personal you, stuff. It, it would affect you. Right? Uh, 100. I mean, if, if you Dude, home, how could if, it not? If you walked home, yeah, if you walked home and the Prather household was quiet, you were left with a dog. I mean, it was. This would be you opening the Great Scott Show. Hey, everybody. I mean, I, I don't know. I might. I might be looking for a different line. Well, listen, listen to me. If it had to do with my work, and that's why it was happening, which the report suggests, I I wouldn't come into work. No disrespect to this job or my employer, but if it was, hey, it's this job or us. Guess what, man? My family's first. They're coming first. You know what I mean? It's a hundred percent. And. You know, and that's the thing, and that's why I bring that up. You know, I'm not TMZ here. Um, I'm just bringing up the football side of it. That stuff affects you. And, you know, and look, here's the other thing that I find remarkable. And, and again, this isn't looking through it through black and gold glasses, but um, because your comments are justified, and, and they make sense. You and I have fun with them about Dennis Allen being able to hold the practice, can you know, Carmichael call a play. I mean, look, I get it. These are first time, you know, you have, you go to the past with Dennis. I, I get that. I never said that. Scott, ain't nobody saying that about Tampa. You know, I, I guess Byron Leftwich is, again, a Sean McVay play caller. I mean, you know, no one asks what kind of relationship does Tom Brady have with Byron Leftwich. I asked my Tampa Bay beat reporter guy last Friday, and he goes, well, I, I think the, the jury's still out. Well, that's a big jury. When you have that guy who has that kind of voice who walks in the room, is there a cohesiveness due to have an understanding? Um, how are they going to handle adversity when they're playing, say, the Saints in week two and they haven't scored but a field goal in the first half? Is there frustration? Is there a tablet that gets thrown? I mean, all of those things that you know screaming A is going to blow out of proportion. You get what I'm getting at? And the same thing with, you know, the head coach. I mean, Again, good storylines, that's great. No one is questioning whether this guy can lead the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's not Bruce Arians. He's not Bruce Arians. And, oh, by the way, if you believe the reports, Bruce Arians got forced out by Tom Brady. So 
how do you think that's going to go? And, and I mean, those are very big questions to me. So, Scott, I don't. I'm not even. I'm not even thinking Tampa makes the playoffs. I, I legitimately feel that this year. I, I just there's something about that vibe and look. You think it's going to go that bad? It talent. might. Listen, well, I, well, I I I have them in the playoffs, but but barely. Um, right, I well. do. I like uh, the other thing is, Ali Marpet re- retiring. Like when he was out. For a period of time, the, the, the Tampa Bay offense looked awful. And I think with Tom yeah. Brady, all right, he's the GOAT, he's this, he's that. I mean, he, the, guys, the guys got the stats, you know, and the gates, whatever. But the thing about Brady is when he gets pressure from the middle, from the inside, he's a different yeah. quarterback. And I think if you watch the Saints regular season matchups against Tampa, you can see it. When he has time... I mean, he's he's as good as there is Still ever. As good Still as there is ever. Good. His arm has gotten stronger somehow at 45, somehow. Um, but it's like, with, with Marpet retiring, that was low-key one of those things where I was like, this is a gigantic story for the Bucks. That's, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think of like a comp for the Saints, but, you know, if it was just Ryan Ramchek's retiring. Like, wait, what? And and I don't know who they're going to play at right tackle. That would be, but that would be like, a solid like, because he, you would what? say, yeah, you would say he's their best guy. And I know, yeah. I know that, he that he's not on the inside. He's on the, but the point is, you're talking about losing uh, that big of a piece to the old line when it comes to specifically Tom Brady. Like that's that's yeah. huge. And Tristan Wirfs is is, is a great player. Um, he got hurt in yeah. the preseason, and he's 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 on schedule to play this week. But he's beginning the yeah. season on the injury report. It's. Yeah, yeah, man. I, and, and Scott, and Scott, Scott, don't forget they lost the starting guard and also their starting center. Something feels off. Jensen. Something feels off. I, I mean, I'm, team, I'm right? just saying. If I guess you understand what I'm getting at, like if we were talking about Scott, Eric McCoy is done for the year. You know, Pete Ruiz is done. Oh, the Saints are good. The, the Saints, the Saints are going to at best be nine and eight or eight and nine if you lost okay. all of that. At exactly. Best. And they're talking about Tampa being a Super Bowl contender. No, they're not. They're not going. No, to I mean no. I understand your respect, comes, but again, I, there's just something about it, and there's too many people that cover that team, and and that's why you and I have always said that you you look to beat reporters, right? You ask them because they can tell you certain things without saying certain things based off of. What they see, hear, and feel, and what do they and all say? No way uh, you're telling me. a little off. Yeah. Yep, exactly. There's just something about the way Tom looks and speaks, and you know, it, it's not the rah-rah messaging thing, right? The last three things this guy has said is, you know, I got a lot of bleep going on, or you know, life is different now. I mean, he sounds like a philosopher, in, you know, retrospectively looking at what other things off the football field is. And, you know, again, not making a comparison, not at all saying that that's what it was, but Drew sounded different towards the end of his years, right? Than when he was here, he spoke a lot more about his kids and family and spending time and, you know, spoke about the beginning of the season. I have a date. I know what day in mind. Like when you don't have stuff on your head, other than the task, I think it's one of the costs, right? I know you used to say this to me, uh, and we've had that discussion on your show before about the cost of being a pro athlete, your body, your toll, your lack of seeing your family, all those different things, you know, but that's, that comes with the cost. And part of the cost, I think, is 
you know, that, that is your focus. And that's why I go back to those clips in the podcast with Mark Ingram and Cam Jordan, hearing Jameis Winston say, tuning all that out that comes with it, the, you know, opportunities and the people that want to hang out with you. And all, he's like, and it's just about Lombardi. Like, that's what I'm saying. Unfortunately, that's what you have to do. And it, it is your life. And now, you know, you can be grounded. And I think getting married and having a kid for James, I think, helped him. But you can see, I mean, I, I was joking that the guy don't think eats dinner or, you know, I can hear his wife going, James. Dinner's, dinner's on the table, man. Because I felt like every day in the offseason, there was a video of him in the backyard. You know, he's out of high school. He's out of house. Like, all he was doing well, was getting ready for the season. And, you know, I put on Tom right now, and it's everything but. And I hear him say, hey, I mean, yesterday, the, 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 the bite that I played on the show was him talking about the offensive line. He goes, well, if they don't do their job, somebody, somebody's health is on the line. He's talking about himself. Like, he's already doubting. You know, he's already, like, listened to that answer as opposed to what I think I've heard in the past from him is, you know, hey, we got a game plan. We'll take care of these guys. These guys are here for a reason. You get what I'm saying? It's, it's he how also, you answer. He's already looking yeah. at it from a different point of view already, if that makes sense. Speaking of looking at, when you look at him, he looks like Gozer from Ghostbusters. Like, Dude, he, he, there's something, he looks like he there's is something off, a man. lot of ways. No, there's something dude, off. There is, man. It, and, you know, and I know people are saying it's the, you know, plastic. No, I, I'm telling maybe you. Maybe a little Botox. Gone. Maybe. I don't know. You know well, maybe, I maybe hear little, you. He maybe looks gone. Whatever it is. But the whole reason of all of this was um, about, like, you know, I could say Brady, Rogers, all that, friendly, you know, that Peter King put the Saints as the one seed. And if the Saints... Okay, and I said 10-11 wins, wins the division, right? He has them at 12-5, and five, which is with one more win, Scott. If the Saints are the one seed, Jameis Winston's going to be an MVP candidate. I mean, it, he is. He's going to be. He'll be third. You know, I like they always list the one, two, three. Um, but, you know, somebody out of the NFC yeah. will be a candidate. But the right? AFC so, will have the, the actual MVP so win. But, but whoever, the, whoever the, the, the best record is in the NFC, they'll probably just put someone from the 100%. team in the conversation. And, and, and along those lines, Dennis Allen will be spoken about as a yeah. Coach of the Year candidate. Again, not saying they're winning, but it's the what King The NFC is open. Right. The NFC is open. And they're me... the one seed. Those two guys could be your surprises, I guess, in those things. As far as Super Bowl goes, wise man, um, dude, I'm with you. I, I think the Bills could be a tough. Chargers again have a team that's sort of stacked like that. Yep. They'll always be a yep. surprise team there. Any the NFC? And I just give you like the NFC Championship game, I guess. You know, I I could see, um, man, I I honestly, I just you know, not being a home. I, I why not the Saints, dude? You so know, that's your pick, honestly. Bill Saints. This year, why, why? I mean, dude, well, you open the conversation I mean, saying not? you think next year, but now you're saying yeah. this year. No, I, I, I'm just look, man. I mean, I get everybody's trying to tell me the Eagles are the greatest team in. No, you know, no, I, I have them winning the division. I don't think the Eagles are sure, are the Super Bowl, right? You know, no. so let's see. I guess from that aspect of it, maybe Saints Eagles NFC Championship game, another another postseason meeting and matchup there. Look, the, the Cowboys. Who God, it feels you know almost disgusting. You have to root for them this weekend. 
But um, they're already struggling with some offensive line issues. Yeah, no, they're not going to. The, they're not even making the playoffs so, this year. Dallas you know, has big look, problems. Taylor Murray and the Cardinals. Do you trust them? They they what, what was it seven and zero, eight and zero to start the season last year. So I mean, they're good, and they got a guy that, that can make plays. So. I don't know. Um, the Packers aren't as good as they were last year. The Vikings are, are, no are a really, really sneaky team to keep an eye on. Um, they are, Scott. I, I hear I hear a lot of people talking about them as, um, you know, it's as just Kirk It's Cousins just what, thing. look, when when the water starts boiling, Kirk Cousins isn't at his best. I mean, that's the reality. We all, <laughs> we all make Kirk Cousins jokes. The one time he did, you know, jump out of the boiling water, it seems like, was in a playoff game in New Orleans when he beat the Saints. Look at oh, Kirk Cousins. Look, well, no, no. Look, look at his. Look at the, the problem. I'm just saying that's the only time. Most of the time, no, when no, the no, guy's no, no. in a big I, moment, I, he, he's he's I'm not good. That was his greatest moment. It was other than his moment with Washington. Of how you guys like that? Now, that how you like? How do you, you, know, you like moment. that? You like that? The problem yeah. with and, but look uh, at Kirk Cousins' numbers from a season uh, ago. Just go look them up. I don't have them off the top of my head, I but know. it's over 4,400 yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I mean, as much as we make fun of him. I, I promise you, who, name, give me a single Saints fan. You, I would sign off on that. If that was Jameis Winston's numbers this year, I would sign oh, off of it 100%, in a second. 100%. In a second. So the Vikings are a team you got to keep an eye on. Green Bay, it feels okay. like they're going to struggle like a, somewhat during the season, and yet you know, they can get into the playoffs as a road team. They're actually more equipped to play indoors and not right. in the cold. And it, it almost seems like it would be better for them. Then they're the one seed they're going to somehow disappoint at Lambeau again. Green Bay feels the team to me. They they get in as a wild card, and then they run the table. The one time they won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, they were a sixth seed. It's kind of, I, right. The NFC, though, we can you, you can you can talk yourself into like six different teams possibly well, getting to the and, Super Bowl. And here's the other thing uh, as I get on out of here, Scott, is it's simple. It's, uh, that game still goes down as one of the most baffling coaching jobs of Sean Payton's career. The game plan of that game still to this day is dumbfounding. That Minnesota Vikings game. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 it, it, it was, Dumbfounding. The, the amount of times I've had conversations with Ed Daniels or other reporters here of how they just got beat one-on-one offensive game plan was like, did you guys even practice? I mean, it was almost like they looked ahead. I, I It was to this day, man, Sean's legacy is, is an interesting one, man. Obviously, Super Bowl, the highs, but my goodness, because sometimes he coached incredible games. And then he'd have a game where you're like, what just happened? You know, it's like, just to me, classic overthinking the room, you know? I mean, I, there's some games, man, where you're like, that's probably his greatest coaching game. He, he did it this last year. I thought one of those games last year was his greatest coaching job, you know, ever. And then you'll have a game where you're like, huh? What are you doing? You know? but, um, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah that's, that's a game, dude. I'm like, they had no business losing to Minnesota at home. Gus Cangale has been our guest at GCAT underscore one seven on Twitter, host of the Sports Hangover weekdays, noon to three, ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans, friend of the program, friend of mine. Gus, I'm just glad we get real, actual, regular season NFL football yeah. to talk about. Looking forward to next week, my friend. All the best. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. You too, man. Always a pleasure. Take care, guys. You have a good weekend. You got it. That is the man himself, Gus Cangale. We'll take a quick time out when we come back. That's someone in studio who was making some pretty outlandish predictions last week. I told him so. 
Then he hit me up and was texting me over the weekend like, I take it back. We'll give him a chance to defend himself next. Plus, Brett Baer coming up at around 8 o'clock. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show. And give me all you got Friday. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Sky Show. I want to give me all you got Friday. Quick segment here to wrap up the 7 o'clock hour. Brett Baer going to be joining me on the phone line shortly. The 2011 Rage Cajun football team to be honored tomorrow night as part of the festivities taking place. Game day, Cajun Field, Louisiana, 14 straight wins. The longest win streak in Division One football hosting Eastern Michigan. We'll be on the air at 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock kickoff. Looking forward to it. Walker. Don't want to don't want to walk the betting line with him. Now, last week we made some predictions, and there was only one prediction you made. You got to admit where I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, it was it was a pretty bad prediction. I mean, it's still you still got time. I don't think it's you, I mean, you said LSU. You thought would be ten and two, nine and three, nine and three. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay, but you 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 were you were confident in the O line. How are you feeling after that performance last Sunday? Not confident at all. You texted me. You're like, I take it all back. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. They would probably go six and six, seven and five. Yeah, I mean, look, I said eight and four because I thought they would win that game, and they almost did. Um, but yeah, it's feeling more like seven and five. But I think in talking to to Chris Landry this week, who is a a former NFL administrator, coach at college and NFL level, and lives in Baton Rouge and is a professional scout, runs a scouting service. He was telling me, he's like, I don't think anyone realizes just how bad, how quickly the program had fallen off from being the best team in the world in college football to suddenly, like, he was like, Brian Kelly has more work to do. to f- He has more things to fix than he thinks most people realize, but the nature of it is, you know, Patience is a virtue, and fans don't typically have patience. Uh, boosters don't. I get it, but um, and and I felt like, look, he he was. It was going to be a year where you got a transition. You don't rebuild the whole thing. You're not like starting from scratch. There's some talent there, but I thought it would take him some time. But I think Chris, maybe, I don't want to say he 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 further emphasized something. I believe, and now I just. Now I was like, man, maybe I was even underestimating just how much he had to clean up. But, um, but yeah. So it was, you know. But you get, you gotta, you get just ride, ride, ride the line. Walker the line. Walk, Walker the line. The betting line. He said nine and three. He took the over. You just got to ride it all the way through until it's officially done, and then you could say, okay, I'm done with it. <laughs> what are you? What are your Saints predictions here as they kick off the season Sunday? You like Gus? You you going as far as saying maybe a Super Bowl? No, not this year. No way. And he was he he said why not he said why not they'll definitely win the division I think so you're kind of with us something something seems a little off in Tampa right now. yes what do, I mean it's like the thing is because I believe it the thing is how many times have it been, have we been like be like for the last decade well this is this has got to kind of start being it for Tom Brady and meanwhile ten ten years later you know I mean he, he threw an obscene amount of yards last year it's still there but. Personal life coupled with getting worse on the O-line, it, it, it doesn't seem like a good recipe for him right now. 
And I think, I, I, I don't know, I foresee some struggle. I think they could still get, because look, with seven teams now, <clears throat> whoever the seven seed is in the NFC is probably going to be a team that's at best average. AFC, I mean, seven. you can have seven good teams. But I feel like um, in the NFC, you could get in because it's just, it, it feels like it's the bad teams in it are really bad. The good teams in it, I think, are good, but there's no one that feels sort of a leader great. But you get to the playoffs, anything's possible. I mean, Cincinnati wasn't the best team in the AFC during the regular season, and they just got hot at the right time. Played really well, ball bounced their way, and before you know it, you're in the playoff. You're in the Super Bowl. Um, wish they would have beat the Rams, but Rams had a bit of a Super Bowl hangover last night because that was that was sloppy. They did not look good last night, and the Bills looked dominant. Who do you like in the Super Bowl? Bills. I don't know in the NFC though. I have no clue. They, that's a big toss up. So if I gave you Saints. Vikings, let's say. Oh, 49ers, 40. maybe. So if, if I gave Trey you, Lance plays good. If I gave you Saints, Vikings, Cardinals, those three, or the field, the rest of the NFC, you taking the field? Yeah. Okay. If I gave you Saints, Packers, or the field, you taking the field? Hmm. Packers maybe. I gave you Packers Niners of the field. You taking the field, okay. but but so you 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 feel you feel good about the Packers and I, Trey Lance is too much of a question mark for me right now. Yeah, he, I, I mean that's it's interesting because because they, they got a roster to compete now, and then you got a guy there that they're never really crazy about, but he does just do just enough to win a lot of games. Another thing to keep an eye on. We're gonna take a quick timeout. I was just ribbing you, man. Just giving you a hard time. Stick with your picks, even when they don't go well. Just got to ride with them. Walker the Lion. That's what we're going to have to call you, Walker the Lion. We're going to get a betting segment with Walker the Lion on what not to bet on. Um, None of us know how to bet great. Otherwise, we'd probably be in a different business for the record. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, it's good. It's good. It's good. Brett Bear from 50. That's right, 10 and a half years ago. A little over 10 and a half years ago, the 2011 Raging Cajuns wrapped up one of the more memorable, fun seasons in the entire history of the program. And the guy that was responsible for the last play, the game-winning kick, Brett Baer, he joins me next. We'll reminisce a little bit about about the team that is being honored this weekend, and we will um, get his thoughts on the current state, Raging Cajun football. It's all coming your way next. It's the Great Scott Show. On a Friday, don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 103.3, K277DQ, Lafayette. A Town Square media station. (laughs) ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. And he said it twice. He's going to make it. Let's see. Kick is on its way. And the kick is good. Cajun's win! Cajuns win! Cajuns win! Cajuns win! Cajuns win! A 50-yard field goal! 
Welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. You've probably heard that call once or twice over the last 10-plus years. Brett Baer hits the game winner to um, catapult the Cajuns to a two-point victory over San Diego State in a uh, season that was memorable, fun, and will be celebrated at Cajun Field tomorrow during Louisiana's Week 2 matchup against Eastern Michigan. And our guest right now is the guy who kicked that ball and has been asked about it quite a bit in his life. That would be Mr. Brett Bear, who joins me now on the phone line. Good morning, Brett. How's life, man? How you been? It's good, man. It's uh, rocking and rolling. We're over here in uh, Houston, Texas area. So, um, But it's, it's hard to believe, listening to that, that that was uh, over a decade ago. So... Uh, that's pretty crazy. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Important question. Uh, what's your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? I mean, it's, it's for me, it's got to be Fight for Your Right. Okay. All right. I love how you, you, you dropped the year, too, in the License to album. Well yeah. done. Well done. Well, <laughs> I mean, y'all, y'all partied plenty that night. Um, I remember that night in New Orleans and, and being on the sideline, and uh, it was... It was quite a party, but has your, like, as as you've gotten farther away from that moment, has your appreciation of it or view of it or that year or that team changed? Because it's not like it when you were a senior and it was your last thing ever, right? But it's certainly, you know, probably the most notable moment in the history of, of the program. The win over A&M is, is a big thing and it gets referenced plenty and, and there's some various games, but in terms of just a singular play, I mean, that's the one for anyone that, that covers this team or follows them. As you've gotten farther away from it, has your viewpoint on it or thoughts on it evolved or changed at all? Not in a, a drastic way, but just, you know, you, you grow older and you start to see the world a little differently, you know? No, I don't, I don't think so at all. I think, um, I, I think it, it put us on the map in a sense. I think that also being, uh, you know, the University of Louisiana, um, that was kind of the turning point of that um, that whole movement. Um, and being in a town like Lafayette, too, it's, you know, things like that don't get forgotten um, very easily, whereas, you know, some of the, you know, um, more Power 5 programs, you know, you, you have these big moments, and, you know, a decade later, it kind of gets forgotten. But... Um, in a city like Lafayette that, that loves their Cajuns and, and, and loves their football and loves their sports in general. Um, no, man, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it's lost its, um, lost its meaning at all. It's just like the win it over A&M. Um, you know, the, the fact that it gets referenced quite often, uh, I think it speaks volumes to just how big of a, how big of a game that was. Yeah, no, it certainly hasn't lost its its luster whatsoever. Um, and I guess my question wasn't so much do you do you look at it differently in that it's it's lesser than or anything like that. Just I guess a better way to phrase it is: are are you able to perhaps appreciate it even more as time has gone by? Because when you're in the moment and it's a year after and two years after, you know a lot of people are talking about it. But to your point, the fact that over ten years later. You know, if you meet a Cajun fan and you're like, oh, I'm Brett Bear," they'll be like, oh, dude, Cajuns win. The kick is good. You know, like they they'll remember it. It's one of those moments that'll that'll you know, it's it, in the moment. Sure. It felt like it would stick around. But I think 
you know, over a decade later, it's just further proof that it's 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 forever. You know, right? Yeah, and I and and, and I certainly uh, humbled by it and, and appreciate it too because we're still. I mean, we're still actively, um, you know, we have family in Lafayette and, uh, we, we go there quite often. So it's, it's good to be around it and, um, to just kind of every time, every time it, it comes up, it's, I mean, it, it's a, it's a flashback, right? It's still for me, uh, for sure. It's something that's ingrained in me that, you know, anytime I, I see a game winning kick or, Anytime that I, you know, anybody lines up for a game-winning kick, I still get those chills just because I know the, I know the feeling of, um, I know the feeling that that it can bring to you. Um, so for me, no, it it hasn't lost uh, any meaning, um, and it's still a huge part of my, uh, and I think it will always be a huge part of my my journey. Brett Bear, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports, great Scott show, the 2011 Raging Cajun team, nine and four. New Orleans Bowl champs, um, their first bowl win since, you know, the first bowl game since the, the, the you know, I think 1970. It, um, it was just a, a culmination, that kick of, of an incredible season in an incredible moment uh, in time for the program. And, you know, Brett, I, what, what was the penalty that, that got called on San Diego State? Because you lined up from 55, and it, it – Everyone was worried, oh, guys, it's going to be false start. It's going to be 60 now, and then they're just going to try a Hail Mary. But what was it called? Was it, was it tipping, or what, what did the ref call? I, I think they called it stemming. Where, stemming, uh, that's it. They had, yeah, they had tried to – I think that that had been going on throughout the game from what I understood. Um, and so uh, just happened to be on that last play. I guess uh, one of their guys was trying to – you know, mimic a snap count or something, and uh, yeah, I mean, popped him for five yards, made it a little bit closer. I, uh, I think it probably, it probably was a, uh, I think it was a game changer. I don't, I don't know that it would have gone in from fifty-five. Yeah, yeah. My question, it might have been, <laughs> been right outside that uh, that goalpost, but who knows? We'll never know. It's 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 in the books now, uh, so. Uh, we won't we we won't revisit that. I mean, oh, you you just who knows? You just can tell people, oh yeah, it, it would have gone in, but no one will ever know. Um, Daniel right. Quaid, Daniel Quaid was always like, man, I was worried they they were calling the penalty on me, but when he said stimming, I was just I looked up and I was like, thank you, Jesus. Um, what, yeah, what, he was he was laying he was laying on the locker room floor after. I think he had so much anxiety about. He thought he jumped off. He thought he jumped. Uh, you know, he thought it was going to be a false start and, on him, but it was the other oh, guy yeah. that was like saying "hut hut hut," yeah. which you're not allowed to do on the defensive front. So when you are lining up for that kick, and then the penalty happens, do you does your mindset change at all? Like, what is your what's going through your mind from the second they roll you out there, and then then the penalty, and then as 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 it went off of your foot? Yeah, for sure. I think that. Um... I, I don't know that your mindset changes much. I think for me, I, you know, obviously I've been asked that question before. I think it, it was it was much more of a numbing feeling of just like in the moment. But, um, you know, mindset-wise for me on that specific kick was redemption because we had missed two extra points in that game. So And we were down by one. So 
you know, with the with the two extra points, it wouldn't even have been a situation. We're taking a knee there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for sure, it was it was redemption, you know. Um, so it was it was kind of make or break there. Um, certainly, giving up two points earlier in the game. Um, but I think that's what resonates with me the most is like going out there. It was like, okay, it's it's a chance for you. It's a you know, it's 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 a chance to get redemption on earlier in the game, and it, and it all worked out thankfully. Um, so uh, yeah, I would say that was kind of the mindset. You, it's funny. I I feel like I have a pretty good memory for sports, and you know, I was there. I was on the sideline for that game. I I just I forgot that there were two missed extra points prior to that. I mean, sure. I think I think that's the that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, I think most people, I think most people don't remember that, which is uh, which is great for me. Don't don't get me wrong, but in the moment, uh, you know, we're down by one um, or two or what, whatever it was, um, and you miss two extra points. That's I mean, that's a huge deal, right? Because if it, if you miss that kick, you know you feel like you gave up five points. Um, yeah, I mean that that would have been tough. But uh, yeah, that, I mean that's the beauty of it. Um, you know, nobody. I don't think anybody really remembers that. Uh, I do. I certainly do. Um, so that's uh, that's what I would just kind of tie into that redemption factor. And maybe it helped. You know, maybe it did help. I mean, you like it, it if you miss the game-winning kick, then I think everyone remembers that miss, but also the others. But you make that one, you know, it is, there is, there is something to be learned there, right? I mean, I know for kickers, it's, there, there's a psychology to it. And, you know, for, you miss one, you try not to let it stick with you. You make one, you, you try not to get overconfident, but you want to build off the confidence. I mean, Psychologically, at what point in your in your kicking career, and I know you were with the, the St. Louis Rams in the preseason, and um, you're, you're the most accurate kicker uh, statistically in, in UL football history, at what point do you feel like the, the mental side of kicking came to you where you're like, okay, now I, now I get it? Because I've talked to various kickers, and some are like, oh, no, I never really overthink it, and I, 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 I don't believe them. I think... I think, I feel like it's it's something that takes practice and, and and maybe repetition because the mental side of it, man, you're you're. I watch you guys at practice. The specialists are off to the side. They're kind of. I don't want to. Say, you're, you're definitely a part of the team, but it's you're you're kind of in a bubble, right? The the way you approach sure. the game is going to be different than someone on offense or defense. So. Take us through, I guess, the mental part of it and, and at what point in your career you felt like you had a good grasp of, of how to handle it and then what that process is like. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's hard to replicate, right? It's hard to replicate game-type game situations. Um, I think any coach would probably tell you the same thing. And it, I don't think that matters for quarterback, wide receiver, offensive lineman, kicker. I mean, it's just hard to replicate um, a game type situation, even harder to replicate a game winner in, a, in your first, you know, in your university's first bowl game in however many years. I mean, you can't you can't practice for that. So I do think, in a sense, you have to rely on just your repetitions. But you know, I, I think for kickers, the mental aspect of it is 
you know, I've, I've always said there's no, even when I was doing some, you know, some coaching after my career, just uh, doing some private lessons, there's no better feeling than jogging out on the field and, and your mindset is like, there's no way I'm going to miss this kick, you know, just feeling that confident. But equally, there's no worse feeling than jogging out there like, man, I, I, I hope I make this kind of thing. And I think that I think that a kick, you know, a couple of misses, especially a game winner uh, miss, it can catapult you in one direction or the other. You know, I, I think that that kick, um, to be honest with you, catapulted me into my senior year where I, I had another good year and was blessed to have an opportunity to uh, play for the Rams a little bit. Um, but I think equally, you know, you miss that kick, at the, especially at the end of the season. Um, you know, who knows what happens your senior year. You just, I mean, you're just kind of the, the air has been let out of the balloon um, a little bit. You, you know, you don't have that confidence. It's such a big aspect of the game. I mean, there's, there's a lot of kids nowadays that can kick 60-yard field goals. I, you know, I don't think that that's, you know, when, whenever I see it, it's, you know, it, it does take a lot of talent. But the guys that can do it in a game-type situation are just, I mean, that, that's next level. Um, and I think that's the biggest difference of, like, you know, your, your game-changing specialist versus your, you know, people that, unfortunately go to go to training camp and get cut <laughs> so uh but it's i mean i i think that i think the mental aspect is is huge and i, and I do think that certain kicks can catapult you in, in one direction or the other espn lafayette the best ticket in sports brett bear has been our guest brett before we let you run man we appreciate you taking the time reminder the 2011 team uh coach mark hudspeth and some members of the team will be uh, in in Lafayette tomorrow and out at the game and be honored as part of the festivities tomorrow night. Louisiana taking on Eastern Michigan, six o'clock kickoff, four o'clock pregame. You can hear on our airwaves right here. What what are your like? I I know that you know you're in, in Houston now, and I think you might have been at the game last week. How closely do you do you still follow the program? And uh, what are your thoughts about the current state of UL football? Yeah, I mean, like I said, we have uh, we have family there, and um, we're we're back and forth fairly often. Um, look, we're I mean, we're still we're still as big as Cajun, uh, as big Cajun fans as as I was when I was playing. Um, I think that uh, this new uh, era of uh, Cajun football is is going to be interesting. I, I like the. Um, I like where the program's going. I, I hope that we can use the momentum of these past four to five years and, and just keep rocking and rolling. I, I don't think so much that, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't think it's going to be so much of the talent or, you know, the, the coaching. I think we're in a good spot for that. I, I just worry about the transfer portal and, and all that other stuff that, you know, I, I think it's hard for schools like UL to, to compete with that, but maybe maybe it works out for us in the better realm of maybe we get more transfers. I don't know. I think I think as far as talent and and coaching and the support of the community, I, I, I think we're. I mean, I think we're way ahead of our conference uh, when it comes to that. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what we do this year. I'm, I'm excited for the years to come. So, how how do you think? NIL would have impacted the team back when you played in the early 2010s. 
I mean, I, I definitely think we missed. I think, I think we missed out a little bit. I think we that 2011 and 2012 team they they might have been the biggest uh, biggest gainers of that because uh, I think everybody just kind of. I mean, full support, you know. That's but when the crowds we were biggest, right? I mean, <laughs> that's when... Right, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't even, to be honest with you, I don't even know how it works, but uh, I'm, I'm, sure we, I'm sure we missed out on a little bit of uh, NIL support, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what about, and then you mentioned the transfer portal. I mean, why, why is it a concern for you for, uh, you know, a school in the group of five like UL? Well, I think it. I think it makes it hard, right? I think if you, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to build a team up from you know four or five years. But maybe for a program like us, us, it's it's uh, maybe it works out in our favor. Maybe we get some some talent that uh, go to these bigger schools and uh, maybe don't get the playing time that they want or things like that. Like I said, maybe it works out in our favor. But I just think it's hard to, you know, we had we were together for so long. I mean, we were to, you know, that team was together for four or five years, the same, basically the same people, you know, two or three, uh, you know, people would transfer out, but the majority of that, you know, 2011, 2012 team was, they were together since they were true freshmen. I mean, 18 years old. So, um, I I just don't, I don't know that any, I don't know that you can have that anymore. I mean, I think for a sense you will, but I do think it's affected by the transfer portal. It's, it's you know, reality is it's more difficult to build and maintain a culture if there's a large turnover. And, and that's true of, you know, I think in any sport at any level. I mean, continuity, especially when things are going well. Look, sometimes when things are going bad, you need the turnover. But when things are going well, in the past, maybe pre-transfer portal the way it is now in NIL – you didn't have as much of that turnover. But now if you have a lot of success at a G5, there are. And I, I don't blame anyone at any school that's like, man, I have a chance to go somewhere else, maybe, you know, support my family a little bit based on some stuff. And, and sure. I'm, not, I'm not specifically talking about UL or UL football, just in general and in all the sports. Um, from that standpoint, if you're having, you know, really good success, maybe it's harder to keep it all together. Where in the past, like that success was kind of the – the the creme de la creme and and now it's like okay that's a good part of it but there's also this other part of it on a personal note that's available and i i I get that for sure um but you know right now i mean 14 straight wins uh longest win streak in the country they're they're doing it right and uh we'll see what coach desimo and the crew does tomorrow in this season but you know pre-2011 you know you were there prior to that it was it was different, you know. You were what, uh, three, I, three and nine the year before. That, <laughs> it was it was yeah, different. I think that my my tenure at, at UL was probably the best years to be there to really really see the biggest change and just how a how a football program can impact the community and things like that. Because you're right, we went from three and nine to you know um, to two four. bowl wins in a row. I mean, that was I, I really enjoyed that transition i mean that was uh that was something really really cool to be a part of brett bear has been our guest uh brett man it's great catching up with you always enjoyed talking to you i interviewed you a lot back in the day when you played but uh glad life is treating you well all the best man and um you know anytime you want to go down memory lane just give us a shout 
Absolutely, man. Thank y'all so much. You got it. All the best. That is Brett Baer, former Ragey Cagey kicker. I, I, Brett's a good guy, and um, you know, I like his his thoughts on or his openness about sort of the mental side of being a kicker and what comes with that, and you know how one kick. One kick in a career can change the mental aspect of the game of football for a kicker. Good or bad. A single kick. Look, you, you, you get to a point where if you're if you can master it, you go out there and you're not, you know, you're you're thinking this is going in. But when it's in your head and you're like, I hope it goes in, now 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 you're losing that mental edge. When one goes in and the confidence is there, he's the most he's the most accurate kicker in program history. But if you look at you know how he was, and and he mentioned it like missing two PATs before that kick in the bowl game, and how much it all changed. And I love his honesty. Like, hey, I don't know if it would have been good from fifty five. Maybe who knows? But I don't know. Most guys would be like, oh yeah, shoot, it would have been good from sixty. Nah, he keeps it real. Louisiana taking on Eastern Michigan tomorrow. The uh, Eastern Michigan Eagles got a good quarterback, got experience, used to play at Troy. I mean, he he can sling it around. He threw it a lot in their week one game. Uh, you know, on the defensive side of things, though, the Cajuns have a deep secondary, a lot of depth there. It'll definitely be the matchup to watch for me tomorrow night as Louisiana hosts Eastern Michigan. One more time. Jay Walker on the call, Brett Bears kick, then we'll take a timeout, come back, open up phone lines, more on last night's Bills-Rams game. Going to give away a Twin Peaks gift card a little later as well. Keep it locked in to Give Me All You Got Friday on The Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. So this will be a 50-yard attempt. And Mark Hudspeth, they just showed him on the sidelines, and he said it twice, he's going to make it. Let's see. Kick is on its way. And the kick is good. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. Cajuns win. win. A 50-yard field goal. As time expires by Brett Baer. And Louisiana has won the Arnold Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Holy cow. Can you believe it? from 50 and look that ball landed he could he had that one for 55. 55 he'd have had it from 55 Jay it's just the culmination of a storybook season the Cajuns come from behind to win this one here at the New Orleans Bowl baby oh my goodness <laughs> ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports.
Welcome back into the Gray Sky Show. Want to give me all you got Friday? Queen Elizabeth passed away yesterday. I just, when I think of Queen Elizabeth, I'll be honest, I just, I think about the the baseball scene from The Naked Gun. Like, one of the all-time great comedies, and one of the reasons it's an all-time great comedy is the, 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 the you know, the funniest part of the movie, and a movie with tons of laughs, and it is just the entire baseball scene, and then Reggie Jackson's trying to kill the queen, and but the entire montage leading up to it, it's it's just comedic gold, man. They don't they don't do slapstick like that anymore. And during the Queen's reign, she saw six popes, fourteen U.S. presidents, and fifty nine different starting quarterbacks for the Cleveland Browns. Fifty nine. She almost made it to sixty. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's going to start on Sunday as they take on the Panthers, who are. Quarterback now by former Browns QB Baker Mayfield. Who maybe he'll beat his former team, but he ain't any good. Thing is, though, 96 years on earth, the Queen never saw the Atlanta Falcons win a Super Bowl. How about that? How about that? Thing is, she could have lived another 96. She's never going to see it. It's never going to happen. It's just not. It's not. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. NFL season. Getting here. Got a game last night. Sean McVay called it a humbling defeat. It's it's a rough night if you're Jalen Ramsey. He's still one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He is. But remember what he said a couple years ago about Josh Allen? Remember that? If you don't, I'll give you the exact quote. Now, it was a GQ article. It was back when Jalen Ramsey was on the Jaguars. And it was in 2017, and he said, I think Allen is trash. I don't care what nobody say. He's trash. And it's going to show, too. That's a stupid draft pick to me. We play them this year, and I'm excited as hell. Okay. I mean, Josh Allen won't say it publicly, but you could see it last night. It's still, it still gets at him. Still, still. Chaps him. I mean, there's one play where at the end of one of Josh Allen's runs, he like landed with his, let's just say, uh, middle area around Jalen Ramsey's helmet and face, and he kind of gave it an extra few. <clears throat> Through the deep ball shortly thereafter, it was just, yeah. Even years later, it's still personal. Now, I'm just glad Jalen Ramsey, I mean, I, I I don't want Jalen Ramsey to change. I like anybody that just puts it all out there, talks. I mean, it made it even made last night, even though it was, you know, almost five years later, it made it a little more fun, a little more of an edge. Because it's not like when the Bills play the Rams, you're getting jacked up every year because they don't play. They play once every four years. There's not like a, a, a way to build up a lot of animosity. So, you know, having that little, little backstory from years ago, it was nice. But the Bills were unstoppable. Okay? Unstoppable. And their defensive line, you know, was really impressive to me. Of course, the Rams' O-line looked pretty pretty bad. Andrew Whitworth was the oldest starting left tackle in NFL history, but they were, pro- they were probably, you know, praying last night, wishing he had 
you know, injected himself with some TB12 or whatever, whatever old Tom's taken. They were missing him last night. They were missing him. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. It's the Great Scott Show. Phone lines are open, 337-269-1077. You want to share your thoughts on last night's game, you can also hit us up via email. You can do that. Jacques emails. Scott, I'll be at the LSU game. I know it's sold out because they're playing Southern. It's hard to gauge what to look for in a matchup like this. Any suggestions? Of uh, Just watch the O-line. That's what I would suggest. You know, LSU is going to beat Southern, and, and it's the game in Baton Rouge tomorrow is more about the matchup and the two schools who are playing one another than the game itself. It's, uh, it's a historic game. Brian Kelly will get his first win as the LSU head coach. But really, it's just if 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 the O line is struggling against Southern, then I mean they, and I, I I don't anticipate that. But if they do, then LSU they won't even they might not finish with a winning record this year. That's that's what to watch for. Just make sure that at least against Southern, you're seeing improvement because Florida State they have some good D line. Because then you got Mississippi State the following week. And then New Mexico, and then you start the SEC play at Auburn and Tennessee and then Florida, and that's what you want. I mean, the one of the biggest games in the country this weekend is in the SEC. It's Florida-Kentucky. And Coach Napier gets Florida from not ranked to 12th in one week, beats a top-10 team, and now they're in Gainesville again, and they get number 20 Kentucky, who won double-digit games last year. It was a big moment for him. This is a big moment for him. Florida is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. But um, as far as Louisiana goes and Eastern Michigan, here's an email from Danny. He says, Scott, what's the latest line for Cajuns Eagles? Any suggestions? I don't want to give you a line suggestion because if I don't – I do that every now and then when I'm, like, super-duper-duper-duper confident about a line. But I'm not, I'm not like Walker the line who's in the studio right now. I'm not – I ain't giving you anything if I'm not feeling really good. 11 and a half is the line. It was 12 and a half earlier in the week, so it's moved a point. Um, I might have a better feel for, for the Cajuns as far as point spread goes later in the season. Only one game under their book. But, you know, again, I, I want to see the O-line. It's what I want to watch for. I'm, I, I mentioned the the matchup that I'm looking forward to, and that is the Cajun secondary against Taylor Powell. You know, there's a senior quarterback for Eastern Michigan. He can sling it around a little bit. He threw three touchdowns in week one. This is a guy that played at Missouri. This is a guy that played at Troy last year. He, You know, he's been in the Sun Belt. He's got experience, but he's on a new team. And now he's on the road, and he's playing a better team than he did a week ago. But I expect him to throw the ball a lot, or at least try to anyway. And here's the thing. He's not a mobile quarterback. You don't have to prepare for, oh, my God, is he going to take off and get us with his legs? You don't have to worry about that this week if you're the Cajuns. So if you're, you know, if you're an Andre Jones, you're one of the, you know, Chris Mongrave, you're one of these cats that likes to get after the quarterback or even on the inside, Zion Hill Green, you can really pin your ears back and just go. 
I'll tell you what, man, it's different when you're playing a mobile quarterback. So Powell, he's going to try to go, right? Quick, get rid of the ball quick. But if you have good coverage, and the Cajun secondary is good this year, it's one of the deeper units on their team. If he doesn't hit that first or second read, now he's looking and he's not sure what he's going to do, you're going to have some sacks on Saturday. The, 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 I would say the Cajuns will finish with three or more sacks tomorrow night. That's one thing I could tell you. This is ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Great Scott show. Stay tuned. We got a special guest coming in studio soon. Going to give away a Twin Peaks gift card. That's coming your way soon. Jay emails the show about NFL game. He says, it's funny how I rarely hear about him running the ball too much. Also, he threw two picks, but you'll never know what the media praising him every second. Uh, Talked about that last hour with Gus, how they need to quit calling as many run plays as they do for Josh Allen. Um, It's kind of a double-edged sword. I mean, Josh Allen's a big guy. He is he is a good runner, and I just eh, you know it, the one thing that can just this whole thing. I, I won't say that the Bills are built on a house of cards, but let's just say that Josh Allen is the foundation of this house, and it's not like it all comes tumbling down. But if he were to get hurt running suddenly the house would be like on a mudslide. A slow mudslide, but it, it, it'd start going down, okay? It'd start going down. So with that, I said it last hour to Gus. You, you, on one hand, it's a weapon, but on the other, you can't have him running the ball as much as he runs it. If you are the Bills... When you're up two, three scores, you can't call running plays for the quarterback. And it's not the first guy that gets to him you're worried about. It's once he starts getting slowed down by that first guy, it's the next two that are coming full speed. They want to take his head off. Not literally, but you know what I mean. No, he does he does run the ball too much. I said it last hour. As far as the picks go, I think a lot of times it's how the picks are when you throw them, how close they were. I mean, the receivers for the Bills had their balls on the hands for both of those interceptions. And yeah, it was the Josh Allen show last night. He did get a ton of praise. But rightfully so, because the Bills look fantastic. Quick timeout. When we come back, stay tuned. Your chance to win a gift card to Twin Peaks. Waiting on a guest to join us briefly in studio as well. And some other picks for this weekend's NFL games. It's the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Give me all you got, Friday. Hear the goat in the background? You've been hearing goat noises? I've been hearing them a lot lately. I don't even know where they're coming from. Just hearing them. Are those just in my head or are you guys hearing them too? CSP and Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Don't go anywhere. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. A uh, couple minutes left here. Supposed to have um, a little Twin Peaks giveaway here. We'll do that in a few minutes. 
What is the lock of the weekend in the NFL? What is it? What is the guarantee? Because you look at some of these matchups and it feels, you know, some of them are pretty, some are even, some feel lopsided. What is the lock? What is the lock? Think about that for a minute. Stay tuned. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Got time for one phone call here in the final segment. And um, we'll go ahead and ask him. Kyle, what's what's the what's the lock this weekend in the NFL? What's the what's the Kyle Brister guarantee? Give it to me. Uh, the Kyle Brister guarantee: the Saints are going to beat the Falcons about forty-nine and seven. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to also reiterate why I try to explain to you that the Saints are going to they're going to win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. Look at the Rams. They absolutely suck. They stink. If the Bills don't turn the ball over five times, the Rams, uh, they, they win that game by 50. The Rams, if the Rams are no good, then who else in the NFC, Scott, is even any good? There's only one really, really, really good team in the NFC, and it's in New Orleans. I'm not. I'm not being overhyped. I'm not being whatever. I'm just analyzing the thing, man. You know what? You know what? Let me let me let me tell you this, Kyle. To put the Saints in the Super Bowl this year is not is not crazy at all. It's not. It's 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 a a strong pick when you look at the NFC. They won't. We lost you for a second. Unless Philadelphia beats them. That's the only team capable of beating them from the NFC. If they if they just go three and two or two and three against the the AFC, they're going to win at least thirteen. Can I, games. can I can I tell you something else before I let you run? I, I I thought about what you said yesterday about Houston. Now I do not think they are going to make the playoffs, but you know what? I went, I did I did a little more research on the Texans. And they are going to, like they're not going to be the worst team in the FC, not even close. They are going to be better than people expect this season. And um, you know, I, I I'm not a believer in Davis Mills, but you know, you're right. The rookie running back out of Florida is going to be good. Not picking to win rookie of the year, but he's going to be good. Lovey Smith is going to is yeah. They're they're going to be better than expected. So I I don't think it was as crazy as I thought it was yesterday. You, when you, you know why people ain't talking about him? You're breaking up again. You're breaking up again. And sorry, we lost you. I don't know why people aren't talking about them. I don't think they're making the playoffs, but I think you get. I think there's the scenario where when you get into December, they're still, you know, in the hunt. That part of it. I think. I think that's a possibility here. Plus, look, they play in the AFC South, and then the the other division they're matched up with in the NFC this year is the NFC East. Like there's there's there, they are going to be, um, much better than I think people are expecting. I'll give them that. I'll give them that, and I'll give one of you listening. You know what? How about two of you? Two of you listening, a twenty five dollar man card. That's what we're calling it. That's right. The Twin Peaks gift card, twenty five dollars. First two callers as we wrap up the show. I'll get your calls during the break. Before the Dan Patrick Show, give me a holler. First two callers, 
get a Twin Peaks gift card. 337-269-1077. That will do it for the Great Scott Show. I'll talk to you guys Monday morning. Coach Michael Desimo interview scheduled for 715 and plenty of Saints talk. They kick off the season Sunday. We'll have it on the airways for you at noon. Keep it locked in. The Dan Patrick Show's next. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. What up, football fans? It's Scott. The first Sunday of the NFL season is here in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly even if your team loses. So don't wait. Go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1420 to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code 1420 only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call one 877 770 